This is Dr. Daniel Vaningen with this week's parenting podcast on preventing the grudge schema in our children. So the word schema, it has a rich history within psychology, uh, most widely in the area of cognitive development. So it's, it's most commonly associated with Piaget, uh, who wrote in detail about schemata in different stages of childhood cognitive development. So a schema, it's thought, it's, it's thought of an abstract cognitive plan that serves as a guide for interpreting information and solving problems. There's a human drive for consistency. So the schema is what the individual knows. Uh, so although a schema can cause some suffering, again, it's comfortable. It feels right. People feel drawn to events that trigger their schemas. A common and difficult example for people to hear is an abuse mistrust schema. For some individuals, they continue to enter into relationships that are abusive. This is what they know. This is what they're familiar with. I want to take a minute here and talk about the neuroscience. So the brain mechanisms that register, store, and retrieve memories from the emotional significance of an event from the past, a traumatic event, it guides the process of conscious memories and cognitions. So the amygdala, what this does, and that's the emotional center of the brain, it stores the emotional memory. And the hippocampus and the neocortex, they store the cognitive memory. Emotional responses can occur without the participation of the higher processing systems of the brain, those involved in thinking, reasoning, and consciousness. The neocortex and the hippocampus has to do with the cognitive memory, and the amygdala is the emotional memory. So the amygdala system, in a way, is unconscious. Emotional reactions can be formed in the amygdala without any conscious registration of the stimuli. The amygdala system is faster, the amygdala system is automatic. So to put this simply, <clears throat> based on a person's schema, they filter things through that schema. So if someone has a shame defectiveness schema, <clears throat> they may interpret a person not wanting to spend time with them through that filter. So rather than a person needing to go to the library, check out some books, go to the job interview and come back to visit their grandmother in the nursing facility. Instead of that actual information, they have a selective attention bias. They're biased towards selectively placing their attention on or through the filter. They interpret this information through the filter that there's something wrong with them, that they're not good enough. And that comes out of the defectiveness shame schema. So how does this relate to the grudge schema? That's what this podcast is about the grudge schema. So let's talk about grudges. I've seen some people hold grudges for 40 years. So a grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past injury or past insult. Bitterness. Grudges are about bitterness. I've seen people hold on to bitterness for a long time. I've seen people hold on to bitterness for years. So what happens when there is unforgiveness in a person's life? This person likely filters information, perceives experiences, and interprets events and the actions of others through previous conceptions. Um, 
So it's out of these conceptions when a person often can't see the person differently than how they see them. Certainly, emotional pain is a factor. If a person has been injured or emotionally hurt, it is understandable why a person feels as they do. These feelings drive the interactions and drive their actions. If a person doesn't deal with the emotional pain in their lives, they may continue to perpetuate the pain. So let's talk about what is perpetuate. It means to cause something that should be stopped to continue. A schema either heals or perpetuates. So this is the background to the statement, hurt people hurt people. Think about that. Hurt people hurt people. Healed people don't hurt people. Healed people want to love people. Or healed people want to bless people. Hurt people hurt people. So people either heal or they perpetuate the schema. So in this case, those who hold grudges, they either heal or they perpetuate. When a person feels pain, what they do with that pain is either face it and bring healing or they try to avoid it. There are steps to rid oneself of the pain. It involves a healing pathway. Without facing the pain, what rises to the surface is control. Individuals will control all of the time. They are striving to avoid the pain. Until a person faces their own hurt, confronts their own pain, he or she will use control as a way to avoid the pain. Consider the person who continues to make things difficult for their ex. I had a client whose ex brought some stuff over over to the other spouse's lawyer's office. The two were going through a divorce. The ex had brought a painting worth approximately $10,000 from the home as a way to return it to the ex. The ex who had brought the painting had ruined it by making the valuable commodity worthless. This person had scribbled with a writing utensil on key parts of the painting. I now have the painting in my office and I use it as a metaphor to outline bitterness and resentment. A $10,000 painting reduced to scraps because of bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. You've heard of the crazy examples. An ex leaving the TV on the front lawn of the ex-partner or ex-spouse. Uh, a, someone who loses a, a, a trial, uh, writes negative Yelp reviews about their attorney for the next 10 years. Again, back to the point. Until a person faces their own hurt, confronts their own pain, he or she will use control as a way to avoid the pain. So hurt people hurt people. I will add this one. Hurt people control. The control is a form of avoiding pain. Healed people don't control. Healed people don't control people. Healed people want to love people. Healed people want to bless people. Hurt people hurt people. Also, hurt people control people. Here's the thing. Even if people gain control in an area, They win a lawsuit, they gain more custody from their ex, they get their job back based on a reevaluation from HR, they get some money flow, whatever it is, the person will still have the pain. Then it will be more control just in a different way, to avoid the pain. Some people remain bitter for years. They now hold beliefs very close, 
Like people don't change. You are what you are. Some people change, but he sure doesn't or she sure doesn't. You know, the right solution for resentment depends mainly on its cause and the individual. But the path to healing involves forgiveness and finding a way to make peace with what happened so you can move on with life. Ultimately, if you go to my YouTube channel where I talk about the ultimate reframe is seeing adversity as positive. Right? So whether you can look at a divorce, a bankruptcy, you know, a lawsuit, uh, a, a termination from a job, uh, years of negative Yelp reviews, whatever it is, the major loss, defeat, setback, whatever it is, can you uh, redefine that narrative? Can you see that adversity as positive? Ultimately, we want to make peace with what happened and that's how you're able to move on with life. Back to the grudge schema. It's filtering even positive things through a negative filter. It's interpreting positive choices or positive changes in others you resent as negative. Grudge schemas also lead to generalize. We not only resent the one person, but it generalizes to others as well. People with grudge schemas resent anyone associated to the person you resent. Have you ever noticed that some people choose sides during a divorce? Have you ever noticed that some people are not capable of being friends with both individuals? Some people who try are sometimes cast in a negative light, negative light by one of the exes. You see this in work environments also. Have you seen people choose sides? You know, slowly they they then give in to the gossip and they allow resentment to build up towards their supervisor. The answer to the grudge schema is to choose the pathway. Number one, the path to healing involves forgiveness and finding a way to make peace with what happens so you can move on with life. Number two, it's finding a way to eliminate unforgiveness and resentment and cleansing yourself from any bitterness that has built up or been reinforced. All right, so given that this is a parenting podcast and given everything that I just shared, I want to uh, give you five key bullet points on how you teach children to work with grudges, especially here, we're talking about teens, right? Um, so number one, don't join in and hate that person. Instead, learn to forgive. Again, number two on how to teach children to work with grudges or teenagers. Number two, learn to overlook their slights. Learn to overlook their backtalk and find ways to help them increase their empathy. Teach your teenagers that empathy is the key to emotional intelligence. And, and you can start to build empathy early on. Uh, as early as, as uh, young childhood. Number three, play the high road. Right? Don't take things so personally and overreact and go tell your 12 friends who now resent this other person because of their resentment and, and you build, you know, you create division. And, and some people like to create division. But be a unifier. 
Try not to be divisive. Instead, be a unifier. Stay steady and consistent and be ready to welcome them back. Number four, don't allow others' negativity to affect your positivity. Stay optimistic. Stay hopeful. Stay positive. Number five, be ready to welcome back your friend who has held bitterness against you. Be ready to forgive. Don't play games. Be the bigger person and impact them in a positive way with the best of you. This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with a comprehensive parenting podcast on the grudge schema. Let's talk about grudges and living a life free of them.